Good to be together tonight. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. You have your Bible. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the great Sermon of Christ. I remember when I was taking literature course, ancient literature, at Freed Hardeman. I think it was my first semester of college, and I was taking ancient literature. And we read from different ancient texts, and that was an amazing thing. And so when we, get to, we got to the Bible, as far as the New Testament, we read the Sermon on the Mount. That if this text that was meant for to expose people to ancient writings, to leave an imprint upon students, and a lot of students today don't have a good concept in our world, very secular world, of, of what the Bible says or who Christ is, they took the Sermon on the Mount, and I think that was a great idea. The, it's a wonderful text here in sermon. And if you look at how Jesus preaches here, it's very encouraging. He starts off with Beatitudes, right? In Matthew chapter 5. You're blessed. And he goes through and he tells you why you're blessed. He tells those, those who are listening to him that they're a light in the world. You're a light in the world. And who you are. You're, you're as a city set on a hill. You are salt. And he says, as salt, don't lose your saltiness. And then he goes in and he starts addressing and he says, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And he begins quoting these passages from the law that a lot of people would hang over other people's heads. You know, those certain commands that, that we have. And he shows that we should all be humbled under the law. And he says, you know, you've heard that it said you shall not murder. And he says, well, don't, don't be angry and don't call someone a fool. And the Greek word there is moron. Don't call someone those things uh, and sin in them, against them in that sense. He says, you, you've heard that it said you should not commit adultery. And yet he says, if you look upon a, a woman to lust for her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. And so you might be looking at those things, and, and in a sense, some people are going to be humbled by it. They're going to be reading these things where Jesus is directly addressing the heart. But I think in the other way, it, it's, it, it brought an even ground to this. To those who might be haughty and think, well, I keep the Ten Commandments and I keep all the commandments in the context of Jesus talking to those uh, Jewish, um, his audience, that Jewish crowd, there's a lot of humility here. He addresses divorce, he addresses oaths, and a lot of different details. And tonight, we're going to go a little bit further, and we're going to look at what he has to say in Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 24. And in this part, after he's addressed, you know, not only do you, should you love your neighbor, you should love your enemy. He comes down and he says, when you worship, and so a lot of people are giving and they're worshiping, he says, you don't do it for show. Don't do it to be seen by men. And he gets to the point of where our treasures are, where our heart is, where is our wealth. And so that's the question I'll start with tonight. Where is your wealth? And I use that word because I was looking up the Greek word for treasure here. And I was looking at it and thinking about it, and I was thinking, what, what's the deeper meaning here of this word? How is it used throughout the rest of the Bible? And so, looking at just verse 19, Matthew 6, 19, my translation, ESV, says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Okay, let's just stop right there. It could be translated, do not store up. And, and the word for treasure, the verb form lay up, is the same form, it's the same word. It's just you've got the noun and the, the verb there. And it's amazing when you're looking at this. So don't treasure up for yourselves treasures on earth. Or, it'd probably be better stated, don't store up storage for things on earth. And as I was thinking about it, I said, well, would you apply it to your savings? Do not save up your savings here on earth. 
might think about your retirement and other things like that. And, and you get to that point and you're thinking too far. I know that I've spoken to some here about this, but think about how you view your savings, if you have a savings. I know a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck. If you have savings, what do you use it for? What are you storing it up for? Think about that. I know you might have a big trip in mind. You might be having the next down payment for your next car. You might have a lot of big things in your head uh, of what you're going to use that savings for. But I would encourage you to look at your savings and say, have it put aside and think, that's not just for me, that's for anybody I know who's in need. And the scriptures tell us that if you give, God, Christ says that. He says, if you give, God's going to give it back to you even more so. So these passages here are very much going to uh, challenge us. And so when I ask you, where is your wealth? What wealth are you storing up here? Um, we don't want to store up our wealth on earth. We know where our wealth should be. So it could be translated. You could translate treasure here as wealth. You could translate it as, as other words here. Um, the word treasure, we often think of gold and so forth. But when I was thinking about that, I kept reading. So let's, let's read the rest of chapter, I mean, verse 19, chapter 6. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't lay up for yourselves wealth on earth where moth and rust destroy. Well, does rust destroy gold and silver? They don't rust, do they? So I'm sure you, things get tarnished and so forth, but gold, as far as I know, does not rust. And correct me if I'm wrong. And, and moth, what is he talking about here is for a moth? He's talking about garments and clothing. Could that be someone's treasure? Is the things that they wear, the things that they have that would rust? I mean, think about the things that you, that you own that are made out of metal that can rust. Are they on your mind more than what, it, what should be on your mind, the treasures in heaven? And then he says, and where thieves break in and steal. We keep reading here. Let's read the rest of it down to um, verse 24. He says, but lay up for yourselves wealth in heaven, where neither wrath, moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your wealth is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do you value? Where is your wealth? What is your priority? That's where your heart's going to be, and it's going to make all the difference in your life. Look at verse 22. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And you cannot disconnect this from everything we've been reading. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. We take in, we see light with it. He says, so if your eye is healthy, if it is sound, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Where is your focus, is, is, he, is what he's saying here. If your focus is on other things other than trusting in God, and every single commandment here, Everything that we see here in the Sermon on the Mount, it takes you saying, I believe in God, I trust in God, I put my faith in Him. And so when God tells me to love my enemies, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I trust that He's going to handle that. When God tells me to not treasure things on earth and store them up here, but to store up things in heaven, I put my faith in Him, that He's going to take care of me. When God tells me to do these things, and there's a number of other things I'm going to bring out in a minute, we have to, every one of these commands, it takes faith. And so, great thing about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is you trust, you listen to God, you rely on Him, and then you're going to do these things. And then verse 24, He says, 
No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Mine says God and money. You can't serve God and mammon. That's the Greek word and the Hebrew word. Mammon is. You can't serve God and stuff. Your possessions. That's what mammon means. You cannot serve God and your possessions. And some people are fascinated with that. It's, what's the next thing I'm going to buy? What am I saving up for? All their wealth and their value seems to be in things here on earth and not where it should be. So it's kind of a review like I usually do. Here's the things again that I've seen here and that we've been observing in Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Do not store wealth up in heaven, but store your treasures. I mean, do not store your wealth up here on earth, but store your treasures in heaven. Uh, your, your heart is where your wealth is. It should not be about your next paycheck, because some people are thinking, you know, you've heard this before. I've heard this before. I've had Christians say, I didn't want to come to church because I didn't want to get sick. But where were you all week? Well, I was at work. I had to go to work. But I won't be there on Wednesday night because I don't want to. I've had people say that, and it's like in the middle of flu season. I'm definitely going to go to work where I spend 40 hours a week, but then I'm not going to assemble with the saints. I see people put their wealth in and their priorities in the government. Well, the government writes me the checks. Whatever they say, I'm going to do. Some people put their priorities in their goals and in success. That's where their wealth is. They think about that. Well, if I'm successful and I meet my goals, then I'm going to have the money. I'm going to have what I want. And their focus is all wrong. And it brings you back to the eye. If the eye is on darkness, you're going to be filled with darkness. So the focus of your eye sets the content of your heart. What you look at. That means what we watch on TV, what we look at that we want to maybe purchase next, the things that we want to buy. If your eye's always on the next thing that you, you, you want, something's wrong. If it's on your possessions, if it's on your money, if it's on your goals, if it's everything that you've determined and that you've set, everything here that Jesus has said really hits home. And as Christ says, no one can serve God in their possessions. No one can serve God and their wealth. It still happens. People get distracted. They think, I need the next car, the next house, the next whatever, the next vacation. And the priority is not on God. They're not focused on who they should be. And things are going to turn upside down for them. So we read here in the text, Jesus says, to store up our wealth in heaven. How do you do that? Who is in heaven? Well, our Creator is. And the good deeds we do are with Him. We lean on Him. We look to Him for Him, the blessings that come from Him. We know what the Scriptures say in Revelation, that when we're studying it, the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. Everything, every blessing, every great thing that we look for in the resurrection is promised in Christ. That's where our focus should be. And so tonight, I hope that we think about those things. What are we thinking about? Where is our focus? Where is our priority? Now, I hear some say, well, I need money for my basic needs, not just for, you know, buying the next house, the next car. I've got to have some kind of vehicle and I've got to work and I've got to put food in our mouths. Well, I want you to keep reading here and what Jesus has to say. And some worry about the next paycheck all the time. Let's keep reading. Let's read uh, Matthew 6, 25 down to the end of the chapter. 
And so Jesus says this as he's preaching. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. In what way? He says, what you will eat or what you will drink. So you've gone from the treasures and wealth now to the basic needs of life. And he says, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about it. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Oh, but I need that. He says, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Oh, but I need more clothes. He says, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon and all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So where's, what was the, what's the problem here? You see what the problem is. O you of little faith. Verse 31. So if you have the faith, it's going to put everything in perspective. Put, every, put things right. Look at verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? You know, in my house, it's always, what are we going to eat? Why don't I have any clothes? Everything's dirty. And yet, the scriptures are right here. Jesus says, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Don't say those things. Don't be anxious about it. Verse 32 For the Gentiles, the nations, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. God knows that you need them all. You know, you let the nations go on and do what they're doing. But you trust and you believe in God. And then listen to this, verse 33. So beautiful. One to memorize. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if I seek first the kingdom of God, God's going to take care of me? He's going to give me the food and the clothing that I need? You know, sometimes I have to correct myself and I think, I'm concerned. What if this happens and that happens and my bills get over my head? What happens if we have to sell the house? What if I have to sell one of my cars? I think about that sometimes. Not that that's even going to happen. I don't know. But to worry about it, there's no point in it. And Jesus says so. I need to put my focus back on God and trust in Him. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And if I do that, it doesn't matter if I lose my house or both my cars or whatever. I'm going to trust in God because I know in the end He's going to provide me food and drink and clothing. And I can endure that. And if anybody has ever endured any amount of poverty for any amount of time, you should be able to have that strength to think back on it that you know the worst that it can get. And you know how blessed you are now. Verse 34, Jesus says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. Stop worrying. Stop being so concerned. Stop being anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Focus. Look to God. Trust in Him. You know, I read these words here, and there's so much that we're going to be reading and talking about on Wednesday night. I find great encouragement in it. And I look over it, and I always go back, and I look at my notes, and I say, okay, the basic things of life, I don't need to care about, uh, care about them because God cares for me. 
So there's no helpful thing that comes from worrying. I can't extend my life because of worrying. In fact, we, most of us would believe that if we worry too much, what's going to happen to our life? It'll be stressful and shorten our life. It hurts us. We need God, so we need to trust in Him. We trust in God to care for us. That takes faith. We trust in God to give us food and clothing and drink and all the things, the basic things we need in life. And what does God say? He says, you just seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and He'll give you what you need. Do you believe that? Everything that Jesus commands is for those who live by faith in His words, and at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, He compares the wise man and the fool. And you remember that. Those who obey and hear His words. There's a wise man who builds his house on the rock, and the fool builds his house upon the sand. One's going to fall, the other's going to stand. Build your house on the words of Christ. All of Christ's commands rely upon faith. When Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 39, and he says, turn the other cheek. When someone strikes you, when someone insults you, when someone persecutes you, and he tells you to turn the other cheek, will you do it? Oh, that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? What is our, our, our reaction? Someone does something to us, we are at right back to them. And Christ has turned the other cheek. That takes faith, relying on God. He's the one who will handle it. He has vengeance. He'll bring about and he'll help me. He'll make me to prosper. I'm going to trust in him. When someone compels you to go the extra mile, I was thinking about this recently because I had to correct myself in my own house. I was having a discussion and Emmett came home one day. And they haven't been wearing masks at school, but when he's on the school bus, he was not wearing his. And one of the, I don't know if it's the bus driver or somebody on the bus said to him, you got to wear your mask. And Emmett said, well, my dad says I don't have to wear my mask. And he came home and he told me. And I was like, yeah, don't wear your mask. And then I was thinking, wait a minute. If one compels you to go one mile, go with them too. You know, and, in, and in that situation, you, you do get, need to put things in context. What's going to happen when I do that, when I trust in God, when I go the extra mile, when someone compels me to go one mile, I go the next? I realize that God is in control, and I'm trusting in Him now. And that's a hard thing to do. Because some of the things that go on and the, the, the laws and the mandates and guidelines, some of them I just think, I don't like them. They're foolish. But if someone compels you to go one mile, go with them too. God will handle it. And so we read here also, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, love your enemies. And every time you read about loving your enemies, and Jesus is talking about it, he says, the one who slanders you or speaks against you or is, you know, sometimes I, I hear this, I hear from some of my brethren saying, well, we don't know what persecution's like because we never lost our life. Well, of course not you lost your life then it, it is all over but to lose your job because you you did the right thing because you live by what god's word says there's nothing wrong with that it's the right thing to do and god's going to bless you for it you will be persecuted people will say things about you behind your back and so those are the people that jesus says are your enemies they're the antagonists they're the one that are against you so what do you do jesus has loved them you need to love your neighbor and love your enemy. And that's a tough thing to do. 
but it means me trusting in God. The God that I, I believe everything that Jesus says, and when he says love my enemy, I'm going to do it, and he's going to handle it. I trust him. And tonight, I hope that these words are encouragement to you as you reflect upon them, the teachings of, of Jesus, of our, of our Savior and of Christ and his great wisdom. You can't, no, no mere man can preach words like this or say the things that Jesus said. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the one who's, who's the Savior, the one who has died for us. This is the reason why we believe just like Jesus said in John 7, verse 17, he says, if you want to know whether my teachings come from man or from God, he says, if you want to do God's will, you'll know whether my teachings are from man or from God. And so when I read Jesus' teachings, I know where they come from. They, know, they come from God. They come from the Creator. And I encourage us all tonight, as I'm preaching also to myself, that we fully trust in God. That we seek first the kingdom of God. And if you want to do that tonight, and you become a follower and a disciple of Christ, you can do that. At the end of Matthew, Jesus commands to make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. If tonight you want to put on Christ in baptism and become a disciple and a follower of Him, you can do that. You can confess your faith, repenting of your sins. You need prayers and encouragement. We want to pray with you. We encourage you now to come. Let's sing together.